someday, if Mark Glory ever really makes it big, he's going to have some offices like these. Maybe. Or, of course, he'll, he'll build the city in the desert with offices as nice as these. These offices are actually in the Twin Cities, which I kind of prefer to the magical mystery uh, city in the desert. Wouldn't you agree, Steve Terry? Bloomington is a, a lovely suburb. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to our new office for TSR Injury Law. Appreciate you guys coming coming over here. Holy crap, it's nice. Beautiful views. Man, this is awesome. By the way, this is the John Krasinski Show, part of TalkNorth.com. We are at the new digs for TSR Injury Law down in Bloomington. Uh, beautiful views. We're in the, uh, the mock... Uh, trial office right now. We've walked around, checked out Steve's digs. Uh, I guess we should, we'll, we'll get to all that in a little bit. Let's start with the big news of the day, which is that the Minnesota Timberwolves have made a big splash. And it seems like that's what they want to do from now on, John. Yeah, I do think that, you know, the Tim Connolly hiring, uh, recruiting, luring, however you want to call it, and, and getting him away from a very good team and a very good organization in Denver kind of signals a new era for the Timberwolves. And I think that's what Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez wanted, is they want to make a big statement that this is now an organization that is going to be ultra-aggressive, that is going to kind of you know, do things that you don't expect them to do. And I remember, you know, kind of ironically, one of Gerson Rosas's big mantras when he was here is, we're going to do things that have never been done before here. And this is something that has never been done before. Now, Glenn Taylor has paid executives and things but uh, before, but to go out to a rival organization, one in your own division with a two-time MVP, a guy who's been there for nine years, who loves it in Denver, and say, we're going to make it impossible for you to say no because we believe that you are the one of the best and brightest and you're going to help us go to another level that is just not a Timberwolves maneuver. And whether this works out or not, we'll see. Um, it, it, it could go either way, I suppose. But the, the, the big takeaway is that most people did not believe Mark Lori and Alex Rodriguez when they said they wanted to do this, that they could pull it off. Most people did not believe that Glenn Taylor would sign off on it. And all of that has happened. They have done this and... It's a new day in Minnesota. It's 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 a definitely a, a whole different way of doing things. It does seem somewhat disappointing that we didn't get Pat Riley, though. Can you comment on that, <laughs> sir? Well, that, that I mean, that's it. Like th that was kind of the some of the head shaking, like dismissing kind of things because these guys legit did come in even before Gerson Rosas was fired last summer and said, we need to get a top flight guy. We need to go get Masai Ujiri. We need to go get Pat Riley. We need to go get... And, and like they said it with a straight face. And people said, get out of here. There's no possible way. Now, Tim Connolly is not Pat Riley. He hasn't won the championships. He's not from Miami. He, he's not making the money that Pat Riley does as well. But when you look and if you poll people around the league, who are your top five, seven executives, there's going to be a ton of people that say this guy. And you can argue as well that Tim Connolly is a better fit than a guy like Pat Riley from coming from Denver, a mid-market franchise to another mid-market franchise, not a free agent destination, a draft and develop guy, a kind of a personality guy who's going to fit in and work well with others and not just kind of rule with an iron fist. I think that's the kind of guy that they want, even if they don't exactly know it yet. And so uh, it's, it's a 
it's a major, major move. Not quite Pat Riley level, but uh, but certainly, you know, something that most people did not expect they could do. Pat Riley ain't leaving the sun to come put mucklucks on here. <laughs> so he was out. Yes. There was no and chance And he does have that. ownership as well, like yes. equity as well. So the, the, the equity carrot, which is a big one and a rare one, I think it's I think it's Masai, I think it's Pat Riley, I think it's R.C. Buford, Greg Popovich, and there's not, there may not be, there may be one, I don't even think there's any others. So um, for Tim Connolly to get that, like that's that's a major, major thing. It seemed like when this first went down, everybody was losing their mind about the $40 million, but it doesn't seem like it's that much kind of compared to what some of these other people are making. I, I don't know what Pat Riley makes, but... Yeah. Whatever he wants. Well, yeah. that's yeah. I mean, yeah, that's no, there there are there are many. I would I would say there are more than a handful of general managers, big guys that make well into above ten million per year. So Pat Riley's one. I think you know if you let's count Popovich because he's kind of the figurehead there. He's another. Daryl Morey, uh, Masai. There's there's a, at least four or five that are above the ten million mark. So yes, the eight million. While certainly a you know more than doubling what he made in Denver, he made below four million in Denver is significant, and it's not it's not cheap at all. It's but it's not stratospheric like the very top of the top. I feel like we should probably renegotiate my fee for showing up. That's probably a good idea because it's not eight million. <laughs> I'll have I'll have a Rod's people get in touch with your yeah. people. I, I, we'll I, wait, I wait with bated breath. Yes. <laughs> Negotiate with them, not us. The lineup today at the offices of TSR Injury Law, John Krasinski from The Athletics, Steve Terry, managing partner, is that the right word? Phrase? Yes, yes. I, I screw up people's titles all the time. Steve Terry, managing partner of TSR Injury Law, Brandon Morton, our producer, I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune, and it's, uh, it, I tell you what, it's fun to have a basketball team in town that makes stuff happen. I mean, this has been a fascinating couple of years. Um, and you know, not not only do they double their win total and go play a really intriguing playoff series, but now they are aggressively making moves. I really, you know, every baseball writer in America, and I was a baseball writer for a long time, mistrusts, distrusts Alex Rodriguez. But if this is the way it's going to go, if he's just going to go out there and try to hire the best possible people and get the best po possible people he can afford into this uh, organization. This could be a really intriguing time. Yeah, I, th I mean, you know, let's start with the very base level. Like, this is a Mark Laurie, Alex Rodriguez move. Uh, Glenn Taylor signed off on it, and he deserves credit for that, for, for granting that. But this was a, their brainchild. They're coming in and coming with this philosophy of we have to hire the very best and spare no expense in terms of what we pay them so that they will come in here and they will be happy and they'll work hard. Um, and and so from that aspect of things, you say, well, oh, that's a real novel idea. You want to really hire good people. Well, but these guys are actually doing it. And I think that there was a very good case to be made after this season that the, the Dauber seems to be going up. Everything seems to be pretty tranquil. Sachin Gupta did a very good job of calming the waters and leading this organization and keeping them focused that just move forward with him and and, and see if you can build on the steps that were taken this season. And I think that Sachin Gupta would have done a very good job in that role. But what it tells you about the new mentality that these two guys have is we're not going to 
settle for good enough if we think there's something better out there. And we're not going to stop until we get it. If they did not get Tim Connolly, if this fell apart some way, somehow, which it was tense through the weekend, um, if they did not get him, they would have just went on and tried to target the next guy and the next guy until they finally did it. And so uh, that kind of go-for-it mentality is the in the DNA of these guys now, and that's going to mean trades that's going to mean all you know whatever is on the table to to kind of push this thing from 46 to 50 to 55 and beyond i know that in the press release it's like you know uh, kindly looking forward to work with, working with gupta and whatever but i mean like how, how how hard of a of a of a hit is that for gupta i mean you're running things he didn't make a trade during the trade deadline which I think was like a superhuman effort because everyone wanted something and he, he seemed like he did what he thought was best for the team versus maybe himself to try to impress the new management. And I just wonder what's his place or do we not know? Yeah. So, um, absolutely. I have not spoken to Sachin Gupta yet since this happened, but I would imagine that he is disappointed. He wanted to be the number one guy. Uh, I think like softest hands in the league, by the way, <laughs> I think you're uh, you're uh, bringing up that he did not make a move is like is big time in this because that shows the character of the person that he is. One of the reasons beyond the all of the money that Tim Connolly is coming here is it's a good basketball situation and he has all of his draft picks at his disposal to use either in players or trades like they're he's coming into a really good basketball situation and one of the reasons is Sachin Gupta did not mortgage the future for some sort of little move that might have gotten them a couple of more wins probably wouldn't have made any difference in 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 the Memphis series but certainly would have helped him say look at me and look at all the work that I'm doing and he didn't do that um and I think that that is an indicator of the kind of person and quality of of leader that he is so is he disappointed I would imagine yes he's he's disappointed uh the one good thing that I will say about knowing Tim Connolly is that there are other people who could have been brought in above Sachin Gupta who would have said, I'm clearing everyone out. Like, I'm bringing in all of my own people. This is what I need around me. If you want me, this is, these are my conditions. Tim Connolly did not do that. He has a reputation for wanting to work with people, finding common ground with all sorts of different people. And so... I think he does want to work with Sachin Gupta. Now, the 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 thing that Mark Lori and Alex Rodriguez and Glenn Taylor see is Connolly is a dyed-in-the-wool scout. He's a player development eye test guy, really dives into the evaluation of the film and and, and looking at that and, and identifying players that way. Gupta is very analytical, a lot of data, you know, um, building models that kind of help them try to predict what who, what players are going to fit and what aren't. And so in that way, they complement each other very well. You could So you can see a scenario where it works out really well. It's just a matter of they don't know each other really personally. Like, how does that dynamic work? I think all of that are answers to be seen on how it goes. It, doesn't it seem weird that they, that Gupta brought in? Totally weird. People beforehand. Totally like, weird. It, it, again, and nationally, great, the senior guy. Yep. And then the other guy is Watts. Like, yep. Bringing in people last year and just recently, um, it just seems weird that 
they would these good people would come to Minnesota knowing that there's potentially a change. They Gupta had the the ability to do that, and then they hire someone above him. It yeah. just seems odd to me. Totally odd. I, the process has not been clean in this. Let's put that out there right away. Like they, especially like Marquise Watts was a, again, a Mark Laurie or Alex Rodriguez hire. They didn't really consult with Sachin Gupta, with any of the basketball side about what that. What is his job? He's like a, he's called a chief experience officer. It's a vague title, but basically his idea, his, his role is to make like the Timberwolves a, a place where players come and they're taken care of. Their families are taken care of. The like, private jet and the cars being warmed up was not good enough. We no, need something else. Okay. No, they need more. Uh, you need, need more, 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 more bells and whistles. And and so he's brought in for that, for like the, we're going to, you know, I'm going to make sure everyone comes in, they feel pampered and they feel cared for and, and all these things and spoiled. And I do think that's an area where the Wolves have historically fallen short. So I'm not discounting the hire at all. But... It was a thing that Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez identified as an area of need. They just brought this guy in out of the blue and did it their way. Um, same with this process. After the season, they basically didn't give such an any, hey, you're our guy or you're not our guy. Basically said, we're going to go look around and see what we can find. In the meantime, go do what you want to do. And so Suchin Gupta decided not to bring back jean Lucas Pascucci, who runs the draft and runs the G League. And he brought in Steve Sr. from Memphis as a different kind of assistant general manager. He's making hirings and firings, essentially, as if he's running the place. And now he signed Steve Sr. three-year deal. It's a, it's a, it's a multi-year deal. So like there are decisions being made that you would think would have been better left to the number one guy in charge or just make such in your guy and say, Hey, these are your decisions and we're going to stick with it and roll with it. So the way that they let that all play out very much muddied the waters. And I think it probably gave such in some real encouragement of, Hey, you know, you could end up being the guy here. And there was a scenario if Tim Connolly turned them down, they may have been left holding the bag and they could not, get someone else and so it would have been such an again so there was that op that that scenario that could have played out it didn't do that go that way now tim is coming in he i do expect him to bring some of his own guys with him whether it's from denver or other places that he knows um but yeah the whole the, the actual the results i think are hard to argue with the process was a mess so there there was a rumor on a uh, twitter world that uh Conley was bringing somebody else in, and it was like, uh oh, like like another big name. I mean, so what's the answer? What's <laughs> happening? Tell us, John. Yeah, tell he, us. Yeah, he like he's definitely has had conversations with people. Ooh, um, I, I don't want to hear people. Well, I I I don't have that yet. Like that's that that's the thing. We got to get to a point where um where someone says yes, and then we'll then we'll be able to just. To I want the listeners that, to know like, he is smiling. <laughs> Like he's he's got the canary in his mouth. He knows, but he's not telling us. Tell us, John. We got to be responsible us. about tell, this tell stuff. You know, you can't us. just go throwing people out there it's and, and getting them in. Just podcasts are not names. For uh, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. But like, I will. I will say that I I am confident that there are several people who will come with Tim Conley. He has been given the green light by ownership to do that, and um and so that's that is part of 
the cost of this move is like, yes, you're going to bring now. And here's the other part that I, I legitimately do not know this. What is going to be the pecking order in terms of, we know Tim is at the top. We know they really like such up here is, is there going to be someone kind of, is there a new number two coming in? Is it going to be a three, four, five in that range? Like, that's it. I think he's not available yet. He may eventually be, be available. Soon. He may eventually, but not quite yet. So uh, that, that's a, a name to watch down the road. Well, we've made John uncomfortable, which is always the goal of the show. Uh, we'll come back to make him more uncomfortable here in a second. We have a lot more to get to. We do want to thank our sponsors here, of course, TSR Injury Law. Uh, but, John, tell us about Head Flyer Brewing. Yes, Head Flyer Brewing, northeast Minneapolis, right on northeast Hennepin Avenue. My wife and I have been going there for years. A super cool thing that we have been doing, uh, partnership with Talk North and with the John Krasinski Show, is a a special beer called Crunch Time. It's it's inspired by the Timberwolves playoff run. It's a summery blue moon style of a beer. It's easy drinking. Sit out on the patio when we get some good weather to do it um, and, and have yourself a couple of them. And, and, and it's really refreshing. Head Flyer Brewing, Northeast Minneapolis. They have a great tap room. You can go in. You can bring growlers home with you. You can bring cans home with you. You can also find a lot of their beers in local metro area liquor stores. Awesome beer, awesome swag, awesome people that work there. Neil and the guys are, are great people. Stop in and say hello. Tell them the John Krasinski Show sent you. Have some crunch time and enjoy the summer. We are finally at the point where you can go outside, you can build a house, you can remodel a house, you can fix up your house. So when you consider property upgrades for your home or business, you should consider solar energy. Here are some facts to consider. Most home improvement projects don't pay for themselves until the property is, so or is sold. Solar pays back regardless of your property sale. Most systems are warranted for 25 to 30 years. After 30 years of operation, solar could have paid back 300 to 400% of the cost. If you do plan to move at some point, installing solar increases your resale value. It's just a good deal. Go to allenergysolar, allenergysolar.com, and check out your options. And, uh, and you know there are always special deals to be had, too, because it's good for us. It's good for the environment. So check out allenergysolar.com. And once again, thank you to Steve Terry and TSR Injury Law. Uh, how long have you been in these, these digs now? We have been working on getting here for about a year, but we have actually been here for about three weeks. Okay. Well, the cool thing is when I GPSed it, it popped up. This address popped up immediately, so you're already on the map. Yeah, and it's, I mean, these buildings have been here for a while. It's, it's basically where Kincaid's is. We have a beautiful lake that we look down on. It's right by the ski jump uh, that yeah. you know, is in Bloomington. That's kind of a landmark, and even though we tend to zoom with our clients or go to them but if they want to come you know meet us here it's you know, free parking and all that but it's just it's the two top floors we've expanded we now have uh, amenities we've never had uh, for 18 years before and as i joked when you showed up i said it only took us 25 years to get here top two floors baby top two floors look mom we made it 612 tsr time you know the stuff if uh, you're injured we don't want you to have to make the call but if you need somebody you need somebody good 612 tsr time they will not charge you unless they win your case and they win a lot of cases that's why they're on the top two floors here all right uh so what do we give conley credit for in denver Really for a couple of things. One is going to a mid-market team working with a modest budget and really kind of building a team into out of essentially scratch and putting them in position to be one of a, a contender in the Western Conference. So not only did... Now, 
he drafted Nikola Jokic in the second round. He passed on him three times. Passed on him three times. Um, <laughs> he knew he, he'd be there. No one knew that he was going to be a two-time MVP. Connolly, to his credit, has, has said this. There's a lot of luck involved with that. But beyond Nikola Jokic, um, you're looking at a guy who is traditionally drafting outside the lottery and finding really good players that can fit in. He, he drafted Jamal Murray right after Chris Dunn. We were at that draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That? Oh, mm-hmm. man, that was a bad one. So Wait, that, What's Chris Dunn doing? Uh, he's uh, hanging on by maybe? his fingernails. Yeah. He was in yeah. Atlanta for a little bit. Yeah, he busted out his teeth on a dunk. Yeah. Anyway, he's not good. Didn't work out. Um, so th- that was his one lottery pick. Uh, Jamal Murray, I think Porter might have been 14, so technically lottery, but very at the end. Uh, then it's like, then you look at he Malik Beasley was right around 19. Bones Highland, really good player in the 20s. Um, Monte Morris in the second round. You know, he's he finds a way to... Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. Zeke Nagy is a good player. Um, they find ways to get players that are rotation level, quality playoff type players in the, the back half of the lottery or, or lower and into the second round. And you have to figure that the Timberwolves hope to be drafting in that area for the next several years. They're going to be at 19 this year, and they have three second-round picks this year as well. And so that, from a team-building, Ross talent identification standpoint, top-notch. Secondly, um, from a culture standpoint, he's just a, he, he builds a, a group that loves working with him. He's a very easy guy to get along with. He is a, you know, burgers and beers uh, let's get everyone together, t- you know, build a tight knit group with coaches, with players, with with the rest of his staff. So he has relationships all over the league, good relationships everywhere. All of that is good. He's had his misses. He's had Emmanuel Moutier. The, the Porter Jr. Um, contract looks like a big mistake right now. Every I do think that you go down the, the resume of every great GM. They all have their big missteps as well. But on in aggregate, he has really turned that Denver Nuggets team into one of the class teams in the Western Conference. If they are healthy going into next year, they're going to be a favorite to come out of the West. They have made the playoffs four straight years. They've they've advanced out of the first round three of those years, including one run to the Western Conference Finals. Um, he had, you know, he works well with coaches, all of those things. So just from a glue guy character and then from a real talent evaluation and development, I think those are those are the things that he's going to really be top notch in, which is things that this organization needs. Given that we're not Miami, we're not LA, we're not New York, you got to be able to f- figure out how to build teams in another way other than free agency. With uh, the owners, you know, big game hunting and all that, um, have you gotten a vibe about the draft? I mean, you take nineteen and a couple twos, and I mean, I know you get MVPs in the second round all the time. Yeah, I mean, no so problem. like now we got three chances, but I mean, is there, do you have any vibe about what? Well, two questions. One is, how does Conley? He shows up. He has a month, but he's already been like, if I'm the Nugget, like he knows all the Nuggets' secrets, and now he's here. So that's kind of weird. So like, what is he doing in the next month? And then do you have a vibe that he is gonna be kind of like Rosas, which is move up, be aggressive, or do you have a understanding well, of what might happen? Yeah, it, it'll be interesting because um, they have four picks. They don't have four roster spots. So either you're trying to package some of those picks and consolidate them to move up, which is a little harder to do in the NBA draft than the NFL draft, just because most guys are like, nah, I'm sitting at 
14. Why do I want three second round picks for you to get up here? No, that, I'm not going to do that. Kings have four and they'll do anything. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's very true. Um, so I th- either so you you can try to move up, do that, or you can try and consolidate some of those picks in trades and bring in other veterans. You want to um, kind of attach them to whether it's a D'Angelo Russell, whether it's others to go get um, to get go get other players. You could do that, or you can sit kind of where you are. And I think that, you know, kind of 19 is Tim Connolly's bread and butter. So that's where they, they usually hit on somebody. So I would imagine it would take a bit for him to part with that. Um, if, you know, he, I mean, he's been working on the draft. He knows the good players and the nuggets are going to draft right around where the wolves are. Yeah, They're right behind. And isn't Calvin Booth taking over? Yes. He used to be with the Timberwolves. Yeah, exactly. So there's a, a lot it's of, a lot of, it's all very there, incestuous. Yes. Yes. There's a lot of crossover, uh, between the wolves and the nuggets. So, um, all of that to say is I do think that he has a lot of ammunition that he has options. He can, you know, try and go make some trades and and use some of those picks to dangle and see if he can get a big guy, you know, a pow- another power forward, something like that to fill an existing roster hole. He can go look at point guard if he's going to move D'Angelo Russell, or he can sit tight, draft maybe one or two guys, and then use a couple of those picks on European guys and stash them for a year or two. So he's got a lot of choices at his disposal. I would imagine... He's probably going to err on the little more aggressive side because I think ownership brought him in to, hey, like we want to build on 46 wins. We want to go that way. So if I had to take a bet, I'd, I'd say he's going to try and be aggressive with it. Whether you can pull off a deal like that, that remains to be seen. So explain the uh, contract ramifications of Towns being named All-NBA. Okay, so um, yeah, third-team All-NBA. Yep. Basically, this makes him eligible now for a Supermax contract extension, which I think the numbers as they stand today are somewhere around $211 million. The last year of that deal, as it stands right now, he'd be making $58 million. People are going to say right now, oh, my God, how can we pay this guy $58 million when we just saw him in the playoffs and he wasn't exactly, you know, Kareem in his prime? And I would say that it's, these are all numbers that are a function of the cap. So it's a percentage of the cap that he's going to get, 30 32%, something like that. So as the cap rises, all of these salaries are going to rise. And so you're, if, you, if people right now are looking at Carl Towns, is he a $58 million player? Well, no, he's not right now. But with the economics of the league, maybe at that time down the road, he will be or at least closer to to that sort of a value. But really what it means is I, I think they're planning on signing or extending that offer regardless of whether he made All-NBA or whether he didn't. He is still a 25, 26-year-old, you know, highly productive player entering the prime of his career, a perfect kind of running mate for Anthony Edwards. And so I think you extend the offer, you have him sign it, and then you see if, if it doesn't work out, what we have seen time and time again is you can trade these 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 players. If you can and, trade and these deals. Westbrook as and, many times as they have, and uh, Paul back before. I mean, he well he didn't do great this year, but yeah. you know you know what I'm saying. I mean, yep. in the playoffs, but I mean he was a you could not trade that contract. Exactly. They got traded like three times. Exactly. I mean, and so what 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 you already know about Towns, whether you think he is a number one on a championship team or not, he is an ultra productive player, and so. 
he's going to have a market going forward for the next four years. Like that's not that's not going to be an issue. And so I think it is a case where you sign him and you see how he develops and see if he continues to grow like he did it last year. And and then you make that decision. But there's a scenario where he signs and he continues the improvement, he continues the maturity, and he turns into a really good high-level 1B. And if Anthony Edwards ascends to that 1A, I think you're in pretty good shape that way. John, you know that, um, I mean, I'm, I'm in a lawyer during the day, and you know I try to help people and what have you. But at night, I actually reach out to all my contacts in the Timberwolves land. I, yes. I'm going to break some news for you. I don't, do it. I don't know if you know this. Um, I heard that the, the free agent that they really want to go after is this player called Andrew Wiggins, <laughs> yeah. who is now clearly a max player. Absolutely. I mean, oh, are you killing yeah. me? Like, what is happening? You're going to have to attach a pick now to, to, to get, to him, get him. Yeah, yeah, oh. exactly. Yep, yeah. Just get Zach Levine and Wiggins. Yeah, why not? Let's reunite the, the whole back. thing. Reunite the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's he's been great. and It's easy when you're the fourth. That's I mean, it. I, it just drives me crazy. That's it. It's like, okay, Nice dunk. He might be the fifth. Mm-hmm. Yes, cool. it's like when you. Uh, okay, don't even. Worry. No, but you, but you, but but you're exactly right, Stephen. We've talked about this before. He, if he would have stayed here in Minnesota, it would have not worked. Like they needed him to be a number one option, and he is not built for that. But when you are in Golden State, and you are getting wide open three point looks because everyone's on Steph and Clay and Jordan Poole. When you are getting pinpoint easy passes as you cut to the basket from Draymond Green, it is so much easier to do what he does. And he feels less pressure on his shoulders and he does not have to carry the load. If they lose a game in the playoffs, no one is saying it's because Andrew Wiggins wasn't good enough. It's going to be because Steph missed his threes or Draymond got in foul trouble or Clay is not all the way back from his injuries. Like Andrew Wiggins is a role player. Now, what he is, is, and to his credit, he's shown that he is a high-level role player, that when he gets those opportunities, he can come through. But this was the always the thing is like the Wolves needed him to be a Clay Thompson-like player as in terms of like a number two option and a perennial all-star and all-NBA guy and all of that, and he's not capable of doing that. But in a number four or number five role, all of a sudden, he is a really high-level player in that role, and it's and it's worked out just beautifully. What do you think he's worth? Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's when a, he signs a contract, like 20? Oh, I'm, I think it's probably going to be higher than that now. Like, he's, I mean, he's making 31 million this year, um, and he is, he's going, he is, Performing on the big stage, twenty-five million probably. Yeah, I mean, you know, you Mikhail Bridges just got last year four years and right around a ninety-five or hundred million dollars. Like that's that's probably what you're looking at for Andrew minimum now because he's not only come through offensively, but he is their best wing defender. Like Clay has lost a step. Andrew Wiggins is guarding Luka Doncic and. And Luca's putting up numbers, but a lot of them are a little kind of fake. Fourth quarter, garbage time. I'm I'm building my stuff up. So he is really, really important for them. And I think it's gonna be a very big number that he gets going going into uh going into the next contract. 
are we ready to say we lost the trade? I, I think you have to. I just do. I mean, they got Kamunga too. I mean, they got, he's I mean, not Kam- doing much now, but he's what but is he, he's nineteen and he's a stud. I and mean, here's the other thing: like, let's just let's take Andrew Wiggins and D'Angelo Russell out of the equation. Like, would the Timberwolves want that seven pick and a guy like Kaminga, who is a brick bleep house power forward, power forward, and sliding him in and like even off the bench early while he's young and you let him develop and you let him use his size and his muscle and his athleticism, he is exactly the kind of player. So they gave up that pick. And that's the kind of player that they lost, let alone if you want to take Franz Wagner or one of those other players that turn out to be really good. And we also know that, I mean, our point guard of the future is McLaughlin. So like, exactly. we didn't even need D-Lo. Exactly. It's, just, it's a big circle of, yeah. of pain and misery. To me, though, the, the way the route to winning that deal was D'Angelo Russell becoming an all-star player that you really, really relied on. And he had a very good year. He deserves a lot of credit for getting them to 46 wins in the seventh seed. But he also had very real limitations. And he is also not a number one, two option on a great on a great team. And that's what Gerson Rosas was banking on when he made that deal is that we're going to get him in here. He's going to slide in next to Towns and it's going to be those two. And then you get Edwards in there and it's going to be an unstoppable three man thing in the Memphis series. He was on the bench in the fourth quarter for a guy making like $2 million a year because that's what they needed. Andrew Wiggins is one of the Golden State's most indispensable players right now. Like, that's just the facts. He's on the floor late in the series, late in games. And if it's game seven of the NBA Finals, Andrew Wiggins is going to be on the floor. And in game six of the first round, D'Angelo Russell was not on the floor. And it was the right call by coach. And it was the right call. It was the absolute right coach. And I was sitting there, and I heard some of the dialogue, and... Finch made the right call. It was 100%, and Finch deserves all the credit for that because there's a lot of coaches who would not have done that. He did it in a must-win thing. And so that in and of itself, then you take away take away the Kaminga pick at all, like that in and of itself says that we lost the trade. But then you add in the Kaminga piece, and it's not even close now. It just is not close. They got housed in that deal. And then in addition, and of course he's a Michigan solo, but to then hit on pool yeah like pool like where the hell like again michigan go blue i love it but like this dude is a 20 something pick 27 i think and and he comes and now he's steph jr like mm-hmm. what the hell i i hate golden state okay. yeah no but that and that's so now that's Connolly's job going forward drafting 19 drafting 22 whatever it's going to be going forward maybe you don't get a guy like Poole, who's probably going to get a max deal too coming coming this summer maybe you don't get that but you got to get the guys that are rotation, can play for you in big games, can really help if one of your stars gets injured. The Nuggets lost Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. pretty much the whole year. They still won more games than the Timberwolves. Take Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell off of the Timberwolves this season for the entire year. Do they win 46 games? No. Hell no. But because of the roster and the coaching staff and everything that they build, and because Jokic is incredible... They got to 48 wins. Like, that's what Connolly has to do here as well. 
One more topic today. Thanks for listening to the John Krasinski Show. Thanks for listening to TalkNorth.com. If you'd like to advertise with this show or any of the many shows on the network, you can reach our sales executive, Karen Cleary, K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at TalkNorth.com. Thanks again to Brandon. Uh, you can find all the shows at TalkNorth.com. You can follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod. We do recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. So, can you move Delo? And can you move Delo and get something worthwhile in return? Yeah, it's. I don't know what the market is for D'Angelo Russell right now. If you, if the Wolves had not, let's say the Wolves lost their playing games, both of them, and didn't make the playoffs, maybe Russell plays really well, but they lose. And they had a good season. I think his value would have been a little higher. You might have been able to convince someone of it a little bit easier. But after that Memphis series, it plummeted quite a bit. And so I, we were talking before the show, I think a real model, if you're looking at trading D'Angelo Russell, is a um, uh, Porzingis uh, for Dinwiddie and Bertans type deal where you use that one big chunk money and you get two salaries that are not in and of itself like great deals, but maybe better fits for your roster. Davis Bartons was a terrible deal um, and was not playing in Washington at all. He was He's playing in Dallas a little bit, but basically they're like, hey, give us Dinwiddie. We'll take Bertans and let you get off of that. You can have Porzingis, who, good player, but we're just, it doesn't fit here. So that's kind of the route I think that they probably would have to take with D'Angelo Russell, find another team that has two contracts that they're not really, you know, enamored with and, and see if that they can find players that just fit a little bit better with what Chris Finch wants to do. It's not an easy thing, which is why I think there is a better than 50-50 chance that D'Angelo Russell's on the roster to start next year. Whether he has a contract extension or whether he's playing out the final year of his deal, we'll see. But um, it's not going to be easy to find um, a, a suitor that makes a lot of sense and that allows you to to say, well, maybe there's a chance this actually makes us better. As a fan, as a super fan, how would you feel seeing D'Angelo Russell in the starting lineup week one next week, next year? I'd be fine. Okay. I mean, he did shit the bed uh, in the playoffs, but he got us there in the Clippers game. True. I mean, I... Yeah. Absolutely. We wouldn't, I mean, like, I was at the Clippers. Like, like that was the game he played, like, what mm -hmm. he can do. And here's the thing, and, and I, I'm not – I don't want to make excuses for him because at, at some point you got to score. You got to play some defense or whatever. But, I mean, he was always talking, always explaining. He, everyone says he's a super smart guy, and he was helping Ant, and, you know, and, and, and maybe he took a hit on his scoring to try to do more passing and kind of be more of a team player. And you don't want to then – criticize him like well you're not scoring when he's trying to do what's best for the team but there's not scoring to better the team and then there's just not showing up right and and he had a few games during the season where he just didn't show up and then unfortunately it happened and you know Jordan outplayed him yes I mean, not M Michael Jordan uh, McLaughlin you know, <laughs> he outplayed him and, and that's why I go back to I mean we're all sitting there and Everyone knew the right thing to do is you had to sit them, but you, as you said, John, like it's the coaches don't do that. You don't sit your thirty-one million dollar player and put in, you know, the the backup. But he did the right thing, and it's just. Uh, but you know, he he is a good player. 
he just is a little up and down. But I'm always like, I like the aggressive route, and if we can do a two-for-one and get some new people in there or move up on the draft. I mean, you know, we all, all fans always like the shiny new object, you know. Yeah, and I'll say this, like, for D'Angelo, his job is not easy. He's got a very, very good offensive center that he needs to get touches and needs to get the ball. He's got a young wing that's still learning, but very a dynamic score that needs touches, that needs to get the ball. And then he's got to figure out when it's time for him to take over and hit his own shots and when it's time for him to distribute. He There were many games this year where he was a great quarterback, where he just ran he the passes. offense. He, yeah. had this, he, he kept doing this where, like, the defender under the rim would, like, have his head turned and D'Lo would throw a pass that would go right by his ear. Yes. To the guy for the layup. It, it was, like, crazy. Yep. Hard, phenomenal. Um, it, it, one interesting thing is like Finch would bring him out early, mm-hmm. and then he would go back in. So he was With first out, but unit. then he'd come in in the second unit where he can kind of maybe shoot a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so that seemed to work pretty well. It just didn't work in the playoffs. Yeah, and yeah. So all of those things are, and he he did. He had a very good year and played much better defensively than he's ever played in his life. So all of those things deserve credit. That said, the 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 very simple when you boil it all down, is you cannot have a $31 million player that scores four points in a playoff game when you need offense. Like, you just can't. like that. And I do think that um, Finch's offense in general, he wants to play at a faster pace than D'Angelo Russell wants to play. And so it's not necessarily that D'Angelo Russell's a bad player or anything like that. It's just that I do think that there are better fits. And in some ways, McLaughlin is a better fit. Now, I don't think they would want to start next season with Jordan McLaughlin as the starting point guard. Like, I just don't think that's... No, that's Tyus Jones. The, the, yeah, right. Yeah, right. I'd love it's, Tyus Jones. Um, but yeah, it, it is more of a, like, that kind of a player. A McLaughlin, a Tyus Jones, a, a facilitator, a pace setter guy than a deliberate player like D'Angelo Russell is. And so uh, that, that's just the question... So the real like existential question for this roster that they have to make this summer is, do they try to make those kind of moves? You move Russell, you move Beasley, you, and you really try to reconfigure for optimizing your roster this season? Or do you keep your powder dry a little bit? And then when you get to next 2023 offseason, Beasley's off the books, Russell is off the books, Beverly is off the books. You're going to have max level room. Now, you probably aren't luring a max-level free agent, but you can trade, sign-and-trade guys, and it gives you a heck of a lot more flexibility because that all happens before Carl Anthony Towns' extension kicks in, before any McDaniels, Edwards extensions potentially kick in. So that's what they have to look at and what they have to decide is how quickly are they going to aggressively change this roster because it is going to change aggressively Sometime in the next two years is just how soon. Good stuff, guys. Appreciate you having us here, Steve. I want to thank Head Flyer Brewing, AllEnergySolar.com, and yes, TSR Injury Law, 612 TSR Time. Uh, let's go t- for final thoughts. We'll go John first, and then we'll have Steve wrap it up. Yeah, I think so. My understanding is that uh, we w- the first time we'll probably hear from Tim Connolly is next week. Um, I think that they've just had some scheduling issues that they've run into in terms of like some sort of a press conference, but uh, very much looking forward to just letting 
his voice sort of take over this thing and see how he goes about introducing himself to this basketball community and like what kind of tea leaves we can read coming out. I'm sure he's not going to say, well, we're going to trade D'Lo and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. But I think there will be a little bit better understanding of like what his immediate plans are to settle in. And I think that's going to be a big day sometime next week. My final thought is uh, I want to wish Dave Benz uh, good luck. Yes, um, please. Great guy. You know, I, I've been fortunate to, I consider him a friend now. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of cheat because I sit next to him at the games or whatever. He's kind of has to deal with me. But um, just a great guy. And I think I, like a lot of fans, were just shocked. And, you know, the Wolves are going to do what they're going to do. Maybe they're bringing in Kevin Harlan. I don't know. But I just want to take a moment to just say, you know, he he had a lot of shitty games that he had to call, and he made it fun, and the ant facts, and just a professional, and top of his game, and it's just, it was, it's sad to see him go, and uh, just as a human, you know, I wish him well, as a friend, I wish him well, and I'm sure he'll land on his feet, and I'm very curious as to who the upgrade's gonna be. Just, yeah, we had a going away party for him on Friday, um, and the turnout was unbelievable. Like, even Chris Finch showed up, very cool. But it just showed that there's a lot of love for Dave Benz, and um, I was glad that he had that moment, and uh, I totally agree. Well said, Steve. Good stuff, gentlemen. Thank you. We'll do it again soon. Uh, thanks for listening to The John Krasinski Show and TalkNorth.com.